Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. So glad that you guys continue to join in and listen and learn more on how to read and understand the Word of God, particularly in the book of Romans, which we've been processing through here uh, in the Tree Church Bible Study. We are going to be finishing off Romans chapter 11 today, but I want to ask you a question first. How many of you have ever had a sibling, uh, and, and I would say for those of you who had a sibling, or maybe for those of you who have children who have siblings, how many of you have uh, a kind of a cantankerous child? The one who you know is usually the one who is stirring up stuff, and then when the other sibling gets in trouble, they kind of make fun of them. They kind of boast about how they're doing good and, and how the other got in trouble. And so there, there's just this kind of tension between the two siblings or between you and your sibling. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've experienced that multiple times, both with my siblings and watching my children. It's, it never fails that, that one of them, who, who's normally the one who uh, is kind of ornery, they are doing well for a moment, and then the other child gets in trouble, and then the, the one that's normally ordinary starts to make fun of or give a hard time to the other child. So, I, and so if you've experienced this, you will have a good understanding of what's happening in the Roman church here in chapter 11 and chapter 10 and chapter 9. Paul, again, is addressing these two particular parties, the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians, the Gentile Christians. And, and what he's addressing in these moments is, is, this a, is this question of who is the one who can boast in being closest to God? Or, or I should say, who is the one who can boast in being faithful to God? Paul has already addressed the Jews and their, their claim that they have the Torah, that they have circumcision. And he's already told them, you do not have the ability to boast in your relationship with God based on those things. And now he's going to be addressing the Gentiles. And he started in, earlier in this chapter, but today he's going to conclude and instruct the Gentile Christians in their, their process and in their mindset in, in really even uh, addressing their inability to boast in, in uh, their relationship with God, their newfound relationship with God, because of who God is and what he has to say or how he has to say that we are saved and that we are brought into relationship with him. And, and so who has the ability to boast before God? And that's the question I want you to keep in your mind because that's the, the question that Paul is addressing as we process through these verses. Verse 25 says, lest you be wise in your own sight. And he's talking to the Gentile Christians here. He says, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We talked about this earlier on in chapter 11, that, that God has used Israel's disbelief to bring in the Gentile Christians. Now, it's always been God's plan to save not just the nation of Israel, but to save the nations that surrounded Israel, the Gentile nations. God has always had the plan that Israel would be the one who brings about, the, or would be the, the, the elect group from which salvation would come, not just for themselves, but for all the, Christ, for all the Gentiles, for all the nations. And God, and God is saying, at, or Paul is saying at this point, the hardening that has happened, the disbelief that has happened by the nation of Israel has come to produce the fruit of the Gentiles being saved. And so 
That's what Paul's addressing here. He goes on in verse 26 and he says, And in this way all Israel will be saved at is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. The deliverer would be God and, and, and Jesus. And Zion is this symbolic um, place from which really the presence of God, the rescuer, the, the hope of Israel was really found. You see it through Isaiah. You see it through the Psalms, this terminology of Zion. Now, some, some believe that they know the, the place that it's referring to. Sometimes the Bible is referring to Zion as Jerusalem. Sometimes it's a, the Temple Mount. Sometimes it's a mountain in Samaria, as, as it's referred to throughout Scripture. So it's, it's not just this one place. It's more this idea that from Zion, the, Zion would be the place where God dwells and His Spirit inhabits and, and the rescue and, and uh, uh, redemption will come from Zion. This is actually a passage out of Isaiah. I believe it's Isaiah 59. And he says, And he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob, if you know your Old Testament, is another name for Israel. Jacob was uh, one of the twins born to Isaac. So Isaac has uh, Isaac and, and Rebekah have two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. Um, and he would be the father of the nations of the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's referring to the nation of Israel here. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So what Paul is saying here is that though Israel has been hardened, the promise is that God will also forgive their sins when they turn and repent. So and, and it doesn't specifically say here that, that when they turn and repent, but the idea is because the idea is for every Christian. And Pastor Matthew talked about this yesterday, both Gentile and Jew. That, that it would be through faithful obedience to Jesus that salvation comes. It, it's through faithful uh, trust in God and trust in Jesus that salvation comes, both for Jew and for Gentile. And so this will be my covenant with them, and I will take away their sins. He goes on in verse 28, he says, As regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So he's saying in, in, in regard to the gospel, they have rejected the gospel. And that has become a benefit, a blessing to you Gentile Christians. But in regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Well, who are the forefathers of the nation of Israel? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the, all of the faithful Israelites who, who trusted God and, and put their faith in God throughout the history of the nation of Israel. And so he says, for their sake, in regards to the election, the special calling that's on the nation of Israel, he says, they are beloved. And, and he goes on, and this is the, the kind of the pinnacle verse, the culminating verse. He says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Man, both Jew and Gentile, are both fickle creatures. <laughs> we change our minds. We fail to live up to the standard that God has set before us. We fail to, to produce fruit in our lives the way that God desires us to produce fruit. We fail to walk in obedience. We fail to trust. We fail to live for him. And he says, that does not nullify the faithfulness of God. So because Israel was unfaithful, 
in the covenant, that does not mean that God will be unfaithful to his calling and to his election. He says that the gifts and the calling of God are unchangeable. Why? Because God is unchangeable. God is faithful to his covenant, and we see it throughout all of the Old Testament. Even when the nation of Israel is exiled, God is faithful to the covenant and draws them back to him. He restores them to the promised land. He restores them to their covenant status. And, and, and honestly, he never leaves the covenant status. Even though they're exiled, they're being disciplined, he does not withdraw his hand or uh, his presence from the nation of Israel. And, 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 and re I, I realize that there are a lot of symbols that, that sh show that God has removed his presence because the temple was destroyed during this time period. And so there was a lot of thought that God had forsaken them. But even in their exile, even in their disobedience, even in uh, the place of, of discipline, God promises them that he will bring them back and then he will restore them. And so this is the calling to every Jew and to every Greek and to every Gentile to return and have faith in God and to repent because this is God's posture. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you're going through, God is faithful and he will not, he will not go back on his heart and his intention and his work in your life. Philippians 1.6, this is how Paul says in, in Philippians that, that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Now, does that mean that you're going to just progressively get better as a Christian every single day and you're never going to fault or fail? No. It's God's promise that if you will trust him, he will see you through to the end and he will make you blameless before him. That is the promise of Christ. Is, is, and, th and this is kind of how I like to think about it. Pastor Matthew talked yesterday about this idea of, um, of, 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 of not being able to, or being able to lose your salvation. This is not contradicting that because this is the way that, and this is the way that I always think about it. God's grace is so great that I don't know that we can ever humanly know the line, or we can ever know in our own thoughts, the line where God decides to stop um, pursuing us. You know why? Because God never stops pursuing us. If, if we would ever in that moment stop and turn and repent, God is there waiting to, uh, to draw us back into the relationship with him. And so God's grace is greater than any of our sins, any of our faults, any of our failures. And God is gracious and patient. And yet at the same time, we have to, to, to put our trust in him and we have to walk in faithful obedience to him. We have to uh, walk in stride with God, not in our own power, but in the power that he has given us through his Holy Spirit to respond in faithful obedience so that we can experience all that God has uh, in store for us when we walk in relationship with him. And, and, and this is Paul's heart here. And, and this is what Paul uh, wants to really kind of hit home, is that no matter where we find ourselves today, God is faithful. God has always been faithful to Israel when they've succeeded at following him and when they've failed to follow him. And, and when, they've, when they've done well at trusting him and when they've not done well at trusting him. God's grace has been sufficient, and, and, and when they repented, 
God's grace was sufficient for them. And that's what he wants all of us to understand. He's going to go into verse 30, and he says, God, he's just going to reiterate one more time, God's character is, is that of one of, of, and his posture is one of grace and of, of, of redemption and of saving. He goes, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, and he's still talking to the Gentiles, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, their being the Israelites' disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he, he, that he may have mercy on all. And so once again, Paul says God's heart and his posture is grace towards humanity. And he says, who can boast? Back to our original question. Who can boast in being the one who is close to God? It's the one who recognizes that they are in need of God's rescue and of his grace and salvation. Nobody can boast in and of their own self. The proper response to God's faithfulness is humble trust and, and faithful obedience. Just like what Pastor Matthew said yesterday, the response is always humility, trust, and obedience. And so that's what Paul is driving home here. And he concludes with this beautiful, amazing uh, celebration of who God is. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Inscrutable is just another term for how his ways are unable to be interpreted. And what, what Paul is saying is, who can know the mind of God? Who is able to search the, the, the depths and the riches of his wisdom and of, of his grace and of his love and, and of who he is? Who can reach down and, and, and understand those ways? Is he saying that we can never understand what God is doing? No. But what he's saying is it is so great and so beyond our ability that, that we have to just step back in all of who God is and, and see his immense faithfulness. And it should respond in worship because that's what Paul's doing here. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been, get, been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul concludes this chapter by, by celebrating God's faithfulness, by celebrating God's posture towards humanity, of one of grace, of one of love, of one of, 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 of rescue. And, and he says to the, to the believers, he says, don't try to fully understand this. Don't, don't try to, and, and there's no room to boast in, in any of this, uh, in any of the, the, the good things that you've, you've come to. All of the fruit that you produce in your life, all of the faith, all of the, the, the trust, all of the, the, the fact that you are now grafted in to, uh, to the tree of God. He says all of that has been by God's graciousness, his faithfulness, and his love towards you. It says, Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian, slave, free, all are now a part of God in Christ Jesus because of God's faithfulness, because of God's graciousness. And so, what's our response? 
humble, faithful obedience. Guys, it has been an honor and a privilege to continue to process through this book with you, and I pray that you'll stay tuned as we finish out over the next few weeks, uh, finish out the book of Romans, Uh, and, and I pray that this has been helpful to you in processing what Paul was trying to say uh, to, to his church in Rome and to us here in Lancaster in 2021. All right, guys, have a great week.